Welcome to Had a Magical Day, the podcast about Disney parks that's like taking a vacation in the middle of your day. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Had a Magical Day. I'm your host, Scott Otto, and on this week's episode, we're going to talk about what things are like in Disney World right now in August of 2022. I just got back from a trip about a week ago, and you know, there's been a lot of, I see a lot of complaints online about a lot of the changes recently. And some of those are valid, some of them are not. So I wanted to address some of those. But I also want to give some tips for planning a great trip to Walt Disney World. And I also want to share some of the really fun new things we did there, uh, including a little review of Victorian Alberts. So let's start with some tips for, for traveling to Disney World. And we'll start with airfare or planning your, your, your airfare um, because there's been a lot of cancellations. And so here are some tips that will help with that. Obviously, you can't prevent cancellations. But you can try to minimize the impact on your, your trip to Disney World. And so, again, I'm talking specifically about Disney World in Orlando, but these trips for booking your, your flight apply anywhere. And will probably still come in handy even when things get a little better, when there's less cancellations. So here are some tips on how to avoid flight cancellation headaches. So the first one is to get a direct flight. Obviously, the less stops you have on your trip, less chances there are for, for cancellations. So that's the first tip. Uh, the second tip is get an early departure. So, you know, some of these are weather related, a lot of these cancellations, but also a lot are because the, the airlines are understaffed or if they have people getting sick. And so if people don't show up for an early flight, they can backfill with whatever other people they have available. But as the day goes on, there's less chance of them being able to do that if there's been lots of cancellations. So if you have an early departure, you have a better chance of your flight getting staffed and uh, getting out. Third one is to book with the airline. So again, this is one that will be coming in handy. I mean, all these come in handy no matter when you're traveling and even if cancellations get better. But uh, if you book with the airline, it makes it much easier to rebook a flight. So, you know, if they have to cancel your flight and they have to re put you on another flight. It's a little easier if you book with the airline. And if you check the prices online, most, especially if you're planning ahead, which most people are for Disney trips, the price at the airline is gonna be the same as the price you get in one of these third-party aggregators. You really only get the cheaper flights when it gets close to the time and they have these empty seats that they're trying to fill. But if you're booking, you know, three months, six months ahead of time, odds are the price is the same. And even if it was worth, even if it costs a little bit more, it's worth the peace, peace of mind of having an easier time dealing with any cancellations or delays. Uh, fourth one is to pad your schedule. So kind of take into account that there might be cancellations or delays in arriving at Disney World. I think a lot of people do this already, at least on the first day. So given now they have to reserve the parks ahead of time, given how expensive a ticket to the park is, you don't want to do a partial day in Disney, right? So that first day should be for travel. And if you get an early departure, then you have most of that day to reschedule your flight and get to your hotel uh, without missing the next day, which is your first day of really going to the parks and using your tickets. So you should do that. And if you can even add another day in there. Great. Of course, that's another day of hotel, which you know can be expensive for people. So, but at least make your travel day a full day dedicated to travel without any, you know, going to the parks and do that early in the morning, giving yourself a pretty good buffer in case anything goes wrong. Uh, the last suggestion is something I started doing this year. I, I tried out in July, it worked really well. So then I bought some for other people in my party. And that is to get an air tag. Apple AirTag, you put it in your bag and it tracks your bag and it gives you a peace of mind. You can see that the bag is on the plane with you before you leave. Um, and if anything goes wrong, it can help track your, your luggage. In fact, there's just a story this morning, this is August 21st, that um, they were able to capture, uh, arrest some guy who had been stealing luggage. He was a luggage handler and he took some luggage home with him and one of the bags had an AirTag in it and the woman obviously was missing her bag and she tracked it to that location, gave it to the police and they arrested this guy who had been stealing thousands of dollars of stuff out of people's bags and then returning the bags later as like lost luggage. So use those air tags if you can. And there are other alternatives too, I think to Apple. Apple's the most famous one. Okay, so those are some tips on uh, booking your flights. And also your flights, you don't, that's usually like the last thing you do. The stuff for the hotel and things we're gonna do next, you have to do those further in advance. The flights you can generally wait pretty close to when you're going, depending, you know, you can monitor 
online where the prices are going up and going down, decide whether you want to wait to buy your flights or, or not. But uh, for the most part, we were very lucky following these. We didn't have any delays, didn't miss any time, didn't have any cancellations. And the same was true for me in July when things were even worse. But things are getting a little better with the cancellations. And hopefully uh, in a few months, they'll be back to what they used to be. But even so, these tips will help you uh, avoid any kind of delays. And like I said, sometimes weather delays happen and there's nothing you can do about it, but these tips will help minimize uh, the impact of that. You can also buy travel insurance. You have to really read the fine print and see what they cover. Again, that only reimburses your, your money. It doesn't actually help get you to where you want to go. Okay. All right. So let's, I want to do, I talked a little bit about how there've been a lot of complaints about recent changes at Disney World. And one of the ones that I think is very valid is it takes a lot of work now to plan a trip to Disney World because of the reservations and because everything's using the My Disney Experience app. A lot of people aren't tech savvy. They don't feel comfortable using the app, but you're going to have to embrace it. I'm going to give you some tips for that. But in general, I think some of those changes are good. Like the fact that there are reservations makes the park a little less crowded or can be. I mean, and they generally don't sell out the reservations, but it does make it that you have to plan ahead just in case like it did they did sell out july 4th week uh, some of the parks got fully booked but that generally doesn't happen very often but you still want to plan in advance just to give yourself some peace of mind and there's some other deadlines you need to know about so let's take a look at those all right so planning dates so you want to start with your hotel and you should book your hotel and tickets at the same time you get a better deal that way uh, and there are different deadlines for that so if you're booking a hotel with tickets uh, the earliest you can do that is year, a year in advance for hotels on Disney property. If you're staying off property, uh, it varies by chain, but you can book further in advance if you're staying off property. Um, if you're on property and booking a hotel without tickets, which generally you're only doing if you're a, uh, a annual pass holder or, or Disney Vacation Club member, and Disney Vacation Club members have different timelines, but uh, those folks booking a hotel without tickets for the park uh, it used to be 500 days in advance that you could do. Now they've kind of modified it just this past week. And so it's a little different. Like right now, if you were booking in August, you can only book out to the end of the next planning year, which in this case is 2023. So you can only book from August to December, 2023. So that's not quite 500 days in advance. Uh, it was pretty close. So minor change there for people booking without tickets. Uh, that's also another complaint people have, which I think is valid, which is, they're allowing you to book hotels without tickets. Like they should make it very explicit in the uh, flow of getting a, booking a hotel. And it should, the next step after booking the hotels, which should be like, how many tickets do you want? Or how many days of tickets do you want? And you should have to click on something if you already have an annual pass to say, no, thanks. I'm an annual pass holder. Because people were complaining that they were able to buy, uh, book hotels and they weren't aware they needed to make a reservation to, for the park or, or get tickets. Um, although mostly res the reservation thing was, was tripping people up. Even Disney Vacation Club members were complaining they had booked, you know, their trip, they had booked the room and, you know, they had their annual pass and they didn't realize they had to book a reservation and they end up going there and not being able to get into the park. So they need to do a little better messaging there and change their, their checkout experience so that everyone's aware when they're making the purchase that you need a reservation, you need tickets. So anyways, if you're booking a hotel with tickets, which you should do, unless you're an annual pass holder, you can do it a year in advance. I think we did ours about six months in advance. And that's the other thing I'm going to share is we did a big family trip. We had seven people. We had some older folks. We had one with a disability. We had a five-year-old. So we're going to cover kind of the range of things that you can expect when you're traveling with, with a big group of, and a variety of people. So as I mentioned, you're going to book your hotel a year out, maybe longer if, you, if you're not getting tickets, but generally book your hotel and park tickets together six to 12 months ahead of time if you're looking for a hotel in the park. Uh, and then make your park reservations. And you should do those you know, fairly soon. Like I said, they don't generally sell out, but you still want to do it fairly far in advance. Again, we did ours about six months ahead of time, about the same time I did the hotel and the tickets. Uh, you can wait longer. The only thing there, so this is the tip I want to give on this. It really depends what kind of tickets you bought. So if you have park hopper tickets, you can really feel free to make your reservations 
you know, six months in advance. Because one of the things you want to take advantage of if you're booking a hotel in on Disney property is the magic hours. So in the morning, you get an extra half hour for every park. So it doesn't really matter what days you're, you're doing your parks in the morning because you'll get that extra half hour, no matter what park you chose and what day. But they just started doing extra magic hours in the nighttime. And so it's only at a couple of parks right now and it's only on certain days. So it's Wednesday night uh, for Magic Kingdom right now and it's Monday night for Epcot. And you can go online, you can look at the schedule and they will have the hours so many months in advance, but they can change. And so if you book your reservations far in advance, you might be at the mercy of that. If you're doing one park a day and you picked you know, Magic Kingdom on Tuesday, you're missing out on that extra magic hours in the evening. So, so what do you do? So maybe if you're, if you're only doing a single day tickets, then you might wanna wait longer to make your park reservations. So you can take advantage of the evening magic hours. But if you have Park Harbor, then it doesn't matter. So you have to decide if it's worth the money for you to have that flexibility, or if you need to save the money going with one park a day. Even then, I would say book now based on the current schedule, and there's a good chance you can change it. You can, since things don't sell out with the reservations generally, you, know, you could probably change it three months ahead of time if the schedule has changed. Okay, the next deadline is two months out. And this is another thing people have been complaining about a little bit, and I get it, but it really depends on who you are. If you're, you know, they have a lot of food options at the parks and a lot of the fast food ones aren't very good, but they're fast, obviously, and you don't need a reservation for them. Uh, so if you just want to grab a quick burger or whatever, you should, you just don't need reservations for things. But if you want a slightly better meal, then you need to make reservations for, for most all the decent restaurants in Disney properties and parks. So that happens two months out to make your res restaurant reservations. And we had a big group and we had a bunch of people who were interested in, in good dining experiences. So we had a list of what we would like to go to for restaurants. And so we split it up between three people and 6 a.m., two months in advance. And if you're not sure what two months in advance is, you can call up and check. And I did that. That's another thing I recommend. And we'll get more into that in a minute. But call the Disney numbers on the My Disney Experience app, call them up just to confirm things in case you have any questions. And we'll talk about that also for using the app. They can be very helpful. Um, when I first booked the trip, it was really hard to get through to those Disney numbers. Like you would wait 45 minutes, an hour, and it doesn't feel worth it quite often. And a lot of the staff they have isn't really well-trained. I mean, they're pretty well-trained, but a lot of them don't know everything that they should know. And so you might get different things from different people. So you need to call back. But I noticed as we got closer to the trip, especially after July 4th kind of passed, it was a lot easier to get in touch with people and talk to people. I had a lot of pleasant experiences with very good, good customer service uh, as we got closer to the trip. But there was a period there where I just couldn't get through and it was really frustrating. Um, but do take advantage of that if you have any problems or questions prior to the trip. It makes everything else easier later on. Um, so with the restaurant reservations, we split up in, into groups, three different groups. We had one third of the list each. And at 6 a.m., 6 a.m., like on the dot, two months out, uh, you'll be able to start booking reservations. Oh, that's another thing, too. If you don't want to call ahead and get, find out exact date, you can just try what you think is 30 days out or a day earlier. And the calendar will only become available to you when it's time, when it's two months out. They will suddenly make the dining reservation calendar available for those days that you're going to the park. Um, so, but it's right at 6 a.m. and they go fast for some of these restaurants. So um, we got almost everything we wanted. The one we couldn't get uh, was the character breakfast. We wanted to do Chef Mickey's or um, Crystal Palace. So I wanted to do one of those two. Couldn't get them. And luckily I just scrolled through the list and found that there is another one called Tusker House. And we we're able to get that for lunch. And that's an animal kingdom. And I'll talk more about that. We'll talk, to, we'll talk a little bit about all the different food places we went to. But in terms of your schedule and planning, two months ahead of time, you got to do that if you want any of those restaurants, you know, any of the good ones. Like I said, in Magic Kingdom, there's like Skipper Canteen and uh, Crystal Palace and um, Be Our Guest that you really need to book ahead of time. And those are really the only decent restaurants, I think, in Magic Kingdom. No offense to Columbia House and those other places. 
Um, Epcot has a lot of the country ones you can just kind of, those you don't always need reservations for, some you do. Some of their more fancy restaurants there you do, certainly. Um, but anyways, if you want kind of a more than fast food, make these reservations two months ahead of time. And the two month window is the same for everything else too. Like they have a lot of events and tours that, that uh, you can do. And so I've mentioned in the past, some of them we have, I think had an episode talking about the ones that have done keys to the kingdom. I highly recommend not that expensive, uh, great behind the scenes of, of magic kingdom and a new one today. I'm going to talk about as well. And also uh, cabanas. If you're at, you're staying at a hotel and Disney property, you can have, you can rent cabanas at some of them. Um, again, this is where I ran into people not really knowing all that they should know. So we were staying at the Polynesian. We wanted to rent a cabana. They were all sold out. And they said, call back later. Maybe somebody will cancel or whatever. Then I called back and somebody said, well, there's not really any cabanas at the lava pool. Or she said, no, she said, there's cabanas are all sold out for this one pool, but the lava pool, I don't see anything. Talk to them when you check in and maybe they'll have something. Uh, so I did. Uh, Lava pool doesn't have cabanas. So that's why it was so hard. And the other pool in the Polynesian only has like three, three cabanas, so which is of course why they sold out really quickly. Um, so some of the people you talk to, they don't know everything that's going on. And even at the hotel, when I checked in, they didn't really know everything they should know. That's to be expected. You know, they obviously laid people off during the pandemic and now they've hired people back and they're training them up. But uh, so cabanas and events and things you can, there's lots of things you can do. You can do fishing trips, you can play golf and all those kind of things. All those things you need to book two months out. Now, 30 days out. So if you're traveling with somebody with a disability, uh, you can qualify for a disability pass. And we've done a, there's an episode we have dealing with that that you can check and do. And I'll cover briefly here on this episode. Uh, so my brother-in-law has a lot of uh, medical issues and can't really walk around the park too much. And he has COPD and some other stuff. So you have to do a phone screen for this. And it has to be more than just not getting around. Because if you're not getting around and you have a scooter, well, problem solved. So you don't necessarily qualify for a disability pass. It has to be other reasons uh, why you can't like be in line for a long time. Um, so breathing issues is, is one of those. I think autistic qualifies, and we talked about that in the, uh, the previous episode on disability pass, but you have to do the 30 days out and you have to, uh, the person getting the disability pass has to be present and has to be interviewed. Um, and other folks can be there too, to, to help out or whatever. Um, but then everybody in your group can use it up to six people. But in order to do that, everybody has to be linked in on the app. So that's the one thing I want to talk about on the My Disney Experience app. And maybe I'll bring it up and we'll walk through it really quickly. Okay. But so this is it for the, the planning dates. It's really like a year out to six months out. And then there's two months ahead of time and then 30 days ahead of time. Also, I want to say this about the disability stuff. If you're traveling with disabilities, there's a, they recommended a company called Scooterbug. You can call them. You can actually book online and you can have delivered. If you're staying at a hotel in the park, they will deliver it, which is really convenient. So we had it delivered to the, to the park, to the hotel at five o'clock and we dropped it off at five o'clock uh, when we were leaving really convenient. Also, you can always get scooters at the park. They're first come first serve. So if you just show up in the morning early, good chance you, you can rent a scooter there as well. If you only want it for the park itself and not just for getting around everywhere. I want to spend a little time to talk about the, my Disney experience app. I mentioned it uh, during the, the planning slides. And so first I want to start with, I mentioned we had a little issue with getting people linked uh, together on the app. So I'll start with that and then also show you like how to book a reservation for, for a dinner or a tour or event. And so I'm sharing right now the, the screen from the website. The uh, app is basically the same layout, obviously a little more compact. And you can either go to you know the My Disney Experience part or sometimes you can go to Things to Do. And I apologize for people listening to the podcast. Uh, this is really meant for the YouTube version of it, but I'll be as descriptive as possible as, as I can. So we're at the My Disney Experience website. And on the right-hand side of the top list of menus, there's My Disney Experience. And when you go there, it'll have your name. Assuming you've set up an account, that's obviously the first thing you have to do if you're new to all this. 
is you have to sign up, you have to use an email, create a password, and then you're good to go. And you might also have to, you might wanna add a credit card where you're gonna be making reservations. But assuming you, you've set that up, you're gonna come in to My Disney Experience, you're gonna see your, your name. And underneath that, you're gonna see my plans, my magic bands and cards, and my family and friends. So I wanna to go to click on my family and friends. And so this brings up a list of people I'm already friends with, but initially you won't have anybody here and you can add people to your list. And so I'll scroll down here where it says add, add a guest. And so you click on it and it's taking a second to download for people listening to the podcast. And so it's actually suggesting a bunch of people for me. And you can see that you can also import from a hotel reservation. So if you've already made the hotel reservation, you've already had people on it, it's easier to do. Or you can enter their name and age, it says. So you can enter the, the information for the people. And once you do that, it will then ask you if you want, I'm not gonna go through the whole process here live, but once you do that, they will send an email invitation to that person to let them know that you wanna be uh, friends on my Disney Experience app, and they need to accept that. Now, you can also go in and create accounts for other people in your family, which I mentioned uh, before. The same way you just signed up for it, you can sign up using different emails for the other people uh, in your family. So once they do that, as long as they respond to the email, then you will be linked. And you're gonna need that if you're doing the disability stuff. You also kind of need it for the hotels. Makes it a lot easier uh, to track everything. So now I'm back at the My Disney Experience. And I mentioned, I'm gonna talk about making a dinner reservation. So you could go either here under things to do and go to dining where it says make reservations. Or once you've already started to make some plans, which you will have already done, hopefully you will have your hotel and your tickets before you make your dinner reservations. Uh, because you can only do that 60 days ahead of time. So I'm just going to the My Plans page, which is kind of the default once you've logged in and you have some plans on your account. And you can see the different icons for park tickets if you don't have your tickets yet, park reservations. Uh, maybe we'll do that real quick. Park reservations, you just click on the link where it says make a park reservation and you pick a park and you pick a day and you're done. As long as you have tickets, you can do that pretty easily. Why don't I just, I'll show it real quickly for people watching the YouTube video. So here it is, you just click here, you say make a park reservation. And you gotta create a party of the people that you're gonna go with. And then you'd pick the dates, the date or dates in the park that you're gonna go to on that date. And that would reserve that park for all the people in your party that you clicked on in that part of the menu. So for dining, you click on make a reservation. And it's gonna bring up a list of restaurants. It's gonna bring up uh, the current date. Usually, although I was just in here a little earlier. So I wanted to show that if you clicked on the calendar icon, it would give you all the future dates that were available. And you can see that here starting from today's date all the way through 60 days. So you can see it ends after October 21st, it gets all grayed out because you can't make reservations that far in advance. So as I mentioned earlier, if you weren't sure if when exactly your 60 day window started, you could just come to this part of the website or app and go th through the calendar and see if your dates are grayed out, then it's not time for you yet but when it's your time, the dates will no longer be grayed out. Of course, you need to do this at 6 a.m. You might not be something you want to do at 6 a.m. Uh, you know, for a couple of days more than you need to. So it's better just to talk to them and make sure you get the right date. But like I said, one day ahead of time, just to be sure, check in and see if your dates are still grayed out or not, and then go back the next day. So that's really all there is to the, the app. It's really not that hard to use. It's just, you kind of have to know what you need to do and what steps, what order of steps you need to take 
which I've kind of laid out in the presentation earlier. So hopefully that will help you out in planning your next trip. I also want to give a couple uh, tips to save money. We've talked about that in, in a different episode, but I, I read a couple of different things that I wanted to add. Most of them were, were things I'd seen before, but one of them was a lot of um, big box retailers like the Costco's and the Sam's Clubs and those places they have Disney gift cards and they often sell them in bulk and at a discount. And you can use those obviously for anything Disney related, including um, anything at the park, basically tickets, hotel, food, obviously. And so that's a good way to save another five, 10%, depending on how much they're discounted. The other thing I wanted to mention are the refillable mugs. So they're a souvenir mug, they're 20 bucks and you can they're at the resort this is if you're staying at a disney world resort they have them and you can refill them at your resort and you know i used it a few times five or six times maybe but the real benefit of it beyond that is that you can take it to the park with you so in the morning you fill it up with ice at the hotel and some water and then you could refill it when you're at the park as well you know, so some people just fill it up with ice to the brim. And then by the time you get to the park, some of the ice is melted. And then you drink that and you get more water because you can get water free at any place in the park that serves food or beverages. And so that's a good way to stay hydrate, hydrated throughout the, the day. It was, you know, 97 degrees when we were there pretty much every day. So it's a really uh, valuable tool to have. You definitely want to have water with you at the park. And especially if you have kids and you're going to be eating at the resort a lot, it's good to get this because you probably get your money back just in, in beverages alone. But it's also a nice plus to have it at the park. And it's also a cool souvenir, as you can see here. Uh, this is for the 50th anniversary one. And it's got a little Mickey on top. What it does is it snaps down to keep the thing sealed. But when you pull it up, there's a little hole there. So the Mickey covers the hole when it snaps down so it doesn't leak. And that's just a couple of little tips to save money. Like I said, we did a whole separate episode on saving money and you can check that out on our, our website or, or wherever you're listening to the podcast. All right. So we talked about the planning of the trip. And so now we want to talk about some of the cool things we did on the trip and share that with you. So um, one of the cool things we did was uh, an event and tours that you can book. I mentioned you can do these like uh, 60 days ahead of time. And so we talked about padding your schedule. So we had planned our schedule so that we arrived Sunday. Uh, we had a morning flight. So we would get in around 11 or 12 o'clock to the hotel. We were staying at the Polynesian. And I knew if things went well, we'd have the rest of the day there at the Polynesian. So what we're going to do, we could hang out at the pool. I wanted to do something a little special. And so I booked a boat to see the fireworks that night. And um, that's one of the cool things about being in the parks at the hotel, as you can see the fireworks, even if you're not in the park. And there is a pretty good view already from the beach of the Polynesian for the fireworks, but I thought this would be real, really cool to kind of get up close and see them on the boat and be out in the water. And it was a really great experience. Uh, we had seven people. I think the boat could seat about 10 people. So if you had 10 people, you know, it's about, it was 400, I think, for the boat around there. And it came, as you can see, they, they do it out there, balloons, they had some things, that, towels that were folded like Mickey Mouse. Um, they also had free snacks. Well, not free. You'd be paid for it because you paid for the boat, but it wasn't any extra charge for them. So you had snacks, you had uh, beverages, non-alcoholic beverages, and a really nice boat. And the captain was really nice. And they take you around. You go through Seven Seas Lagoon and then Bay Lake, and they tell you a lot of different things. You go see uh, Fort Wilderness and the special cabins they have there. And you see a special tree where they throw their sneakers on when they're retiring, the cast members. And there's also a Discovery Island, which is this island in the middle there. And it used to have animals in it and exhibits. And then when they opened Animal Kingdom, nobody went to Discovery Island. So they just abandoned it. And it's kind of it's kind of cool, kind of spooky. It was kind of nice. But anyways, we had these spectacular sunsets. And the sunsets only got more beautiful as we went around Bay Lake. And then as we came around uh, Discovery Island and started getting back into the Seven Seas Lagoon, the electrical water pageant was starting. It's kind of uh, a throwback, you know, to the 70s when they started it. Um, 
but the technology is still kind of cool. Obviously it's just lights and, and music, but they have a lot of different uh, floats that go by and it's, it's really kind of fun. And the five-year-old loved it. And I think everybody else, that was the best part of this trip was like to sit in the back of the boat and watch like how thrilled everybody was with this trip. It was just priceless. So there was the electrical water pageant. And then after that's done, you're getting ready for the fireworks. And so you start jockeying for a position and you start to get close to the Magic Kingdom. And then of course the fireworks. So I wanna say one thing about the fireworks again, because the, my theme is kind of addressing a lot of the complaints people have about recent changes at, at Disney World. So a lot of people complaining about the new fireworks spectacular at Magic Kingdom. And you, know, you have to keep in mind that you and myself <laughs> and, and people like that are hardcore Disney people who go a lot and you know they notice every detail and they some people just love the, the nighttime spectaculars at all the parks and they're very big on that and so they're very particular about it they've seen the best of the best and you know anything that's less they, they feel a little cheated uh, keep in mind though if you're going with people who haven't been to the park in a long time who aren't as hardcore Disney fans as you are they are going to love the fireworks show. This is going to be one of the best fireworks show they have ever seen, regardless of what your opinion is of it. Okay, so keep that in mind. Don't ruin it for other people by saying that it's no good. Just let them enjoy it on their own as is, and they will be thrilled, as were everybody in my boat. Uh, and I have to say, I enjoyed it as well. And I've seen, you know, Wishes and all those other ones. And yes, you know, the music wasn't my favorite but it works. It's a great show and people on the boat were thrilled with it, but that was just a great moment. And so I was already like, I felt like I won the whole planning of the, of the trip before we even been to the park. Okay. And then of course, Monday morning, we start with magic kingdom. That was always the intent, regardless of when the magic hours were. And cause we want to start there. A that's my favorite park. B I think for a five-year-old on the first trip, want to start with the kind of some of those classic rides before blowing his mind with the more elaborate rides. Um, he had a great time there, enjoyed it. So here's another thing, travel uh, planning tip I wanted to mention at the beginning. If you're going, like we were going in August, we knew it was going to be hot. We've been there before in the summertime. And especially now it can be brutally hot. And it was like 95, 97 every day and a little humid. So we knew between some of the older folks and the five-year-old, that we were not going to make it the whole day in the park, had to plan a break. And so we had planned every day to kind of start early at the park then have a nice lunch and then take a break for a couple hours and then go back to the park. And so as part of that, we planned a lot of uh, lunches that, that we were going to be interested in. So the first day at Magic Kingdom, so I'm going to talk about all the food. Maybe I should just start with that. So we'll talk about all the places we went to and that we recommend. And so, um, for lunches, the first day we went to Skipper Canteen in Magic Kingdom. I mentioned earlier, that's one of my favorite places in Magic Kingdom to eat uh, for interesting food, very good quality food and nice atmosphere as well there. Uh, we also did Sci-Fi Diner for lunch. Um, we also did for dinners, we did what well, we used Epcot. There was a food festival. I'll talk a little bit about that. We did Victorian Alberts, which I'm going to talk a lot about. And we did Ohana and... Uh, so, and then we did Tusker, Tusker House for lunch on the last day at Animal Kingdom. I talked a little bit about some of the criticisms I heard about the park versus the reality. The crowds weren't that bad. Didn't really have a problem with rides breaking down. So I didn't have a problem with that. Had a lot of great food at the different restaurants. Like I said, the one thing was I did notice the service was a little off in some places at the hotel and elsewhere, uh, online particularly. And obviously the amount of planning you need to do for the trip. So those things are valid criticisms, but you can still have a great time. We had a lot of great memories from this trip and that's what you care about. And then it's also small things too. You know, like one of my nephews, great nephews, favorite things about the trip. I think we had adjoining rooms in the Polynesian, just being able to bounce back and forth and have his aunts and uncles and grandparents there. Like he wanted to live there. He just said, can we stay at the Polynesian? So, you know, it's not all about the rides. It's not all about how many rides can you go on in the park? There are lots of different opportunities to kind of make memories with your family there and it makes it worth the money. Okay. So, oh, you know, and I want to touch a little bit on rides just because there were some rides I hadn't gone on in a long time. So 
and all the hype goes to like Guardians of the Galaxy and some of these newer rides. And we did not do Guardians of the Galaxy. But again, getting back to your planning, you know, that is a ride where you, you, there's no standby line. You can't just go up and wait and you can't get a fast pass for it. That is a, one of these lines. They did it with Rise of Resistance when it first started. You have to, at 7 a.m., at 7 a.m., you have to be in the park and you have to try to get one of the assigned groups to get on the ride. And if you don't get on at 7 a.m., there's another one at 1 p.m. that you can get try to get into. It's like a lottery, basically. And again, you have to be in the park for that. Unless you're staying on Disney property, then you can do it from your hotel. So I know my nephew tried at 7 a.m. to get Guardians of the Galaxy the day we were going to Epcot. He didn't get it. Did get to do the uh, Ratatouille ride at Epcot, which is relatively new. Hadn't been on it before. Really cool ride. Very, you know, immersive experience where you get to kind of view things from, from Remy's point of view in, in the movie. And it's a mix of actual staging and sets and a video immersion. And that can be a little, um, can cause motion sickness for some people, but not really for this ride. It, there's just the right amount of it that they didn't overdo it. Whereas I've heard on Gardens of the Galaxy, a lot of people that the video aspect of that is really getting people uh, sick combined with all emotion. Um, but we didn't go on that ride. Uh, the other thing I want to point out was um, in Epcot, because uh, usually when I'm, I often go to Disney by myself or with adult friends, so I don't usually go on a lot of the kiddie rides. And so I'd been on Frozen once when it first opened. I got on it, had a fast pass for it, didn't have to wait in line. And I thought it was cute. You know, it was very much the same track as the Norway ride and still had some of the feeling of the, the Norway ride. But that was before the second movie came out. I don't know. I can't remember exactly how the first ride was, but the second the ride now with a lot of stuff from Frozen 2 in it, it's just a, a spectacular ride. And so my five-year-old great-nephew, who's a big fan of Frozen, he loved it. Every, and also my, my niece and my niece-in-law are also big fans of Frozen. They loved it. So it's really great. If you haven't been on it, highly recommend that ride. Those are the ones that really uh, stood out for me that were new. Everything else I think I'd, I'd been on before and they've been around for a while. So I'm not going to go through all those, but let's get to the food because the food was amazing. So the first day we were in Magic Kingdom. And so we had lunch at Skipper Canteen before taking our afternoon break. Um, I've been there many times, really like it. Uh, we had a couple people in the group who were kind of fussy eaters. I was worried if there'd be anything because there's a lot of really kind of flavorful unique food there but there are some standards there as well and of course all the places if you, if you have kids all the places have something equivalent like chicken nuggets that you can get get for the kids so i had the striped bass and it was really good it was fantastic uh, they don't always have that available that was a special uh highly recommended if they have to have it when you're there and then for people who you know have more standard taste although striped bass is fairly standard if you're a seafood person but they also had this fried chicken and everybody, a couple of people had it and they both raved about it. So that's a great choice. Um, everything there has been top notch. And I have to give kudos to the, the cast member there. Their thing being not that far from uh, the Jungle Cruise is to tell corny jokes. And this guy was all in on the corny jokes. Some of them, you know, it's a fine line. Some of them are so bad they're funny and some of them just are just bad, but he was, fully committed to the bit and did a nice job with that. So kudos to him. So that was the first place we had food at uh, in Disney World. And that was really good. In the evening, we decided to head over to Epcot for the food and wine festival. And a couple of tips there that we didn't quite manage to do pull off. But one is that you start on the Mexico side and work your way around that way because the dishes start light and then get heavier as you go around. So that's really good advice if you could try to do it all in one day. Uh, we planned to do it two trips. The other advice, which we failed to do, was we, if you have a large group, everybody in on each thing and take a little bite, get a little taste, and you can do more countries and then decide what you really like and then go back and get more of that. Uh, we had you know six adults who didn't expect the five-year-old to be in on this, but it was so hot and people were tired in the evening, so there's really only four of us. And so we didn't get quite as far as we wanted to, but here are a couple things that we had that were really good. So our first stop was flavors of fire. And so this is the corned beef, not a particularly great picture of it. I saw a really much better picture on Twitter that I was tempted to, to borrow, but 
it was it's really delicious and everything at the flavors and fire was really good they had uh, the corned beef they had a, a bon mi bow which i do have a picture of but i'm not going to bother showing you and uh, rocky road chocolate cake as well and then our, our next stop was the swanky saucy wine swine sorry not wine <laughs> the swanky saucy swine and so there we have the uh, barbecued pork rinds with pimento cheese and uh, the soy glaze sticky ribs i apologize but the sticky ribs are really good i was not too impressed uh, with the pork rinds and i am a pork rind pork rind fan i get those quite often either barbecue or spicy by themselves without any pimento cheese and they're really good these uh, pork rinds felt were kind of flavorless so it's really just an exercise in eating the pimento cheese okay that brings us to day two of the trip and we went to uh, the sci-fi diner which is a favorite of mine I, i'd only done it once before with my sister but it's really cool the tables are these little cars they look like cars in a drive-in so if you're old enough to remember drive-ins it's really cool and even if you're too young to remember like our five-year-old it's kind of cool because they're showing little clips of old 50s movies while you're eating so that's a lot of fun and mostly it's hamburgers there but they're really good hamburgers uh, much better than you get at kind of the the fast serve uh, places in the parks so i recommend that a lot of fun really good food and they also have shakes too as well that are pretty good also at hollywood studios to the the brown derby which i've been to before always very good uh, i got the filet mignon my niece-in-law had the fish i took this picture said it was delicious also very well presented beautiful looking dish other folks had the chicken. People love the chicken. Then my niece and my niece-in-law also went in for a margarita flight and they said that was great. And they really enjoyed those different flavors that they had. Okay. We only have a couple more, but I want to stop and talk a little bit about Dole Whips. Everybody loves Dole Whips. And the Polynesian is one of the few hotels that has uh, Dole Whips on the property. So they have a nice stand. You can get the Dole Whips, you can get floats, you can get floats with rum in it. Although you have to put the rum in yourself. It's some kind of weird uh, Florida law. So at the hotel, they had uh, pineapple dough whip, they had uh, vanilla, and they had lime. And you could also get that as a margarita at the pool. Um, so it's interesting, if you go around the different parks, there are other flavors. In fact, when we were at Skipper's Canteen, they had a, a, an offering that had orange flavored dough whip. And we regretted not taking advantage of that because we couldn't find it anywhere else. Also, if you're big on, on the dough whips and trying the different flavors, if you go to uh, Disney Springs, there's a little stand there that has lots of different flavors of Dole Whips. And so we got a sampler and they were out of some of the ones that they had, some of the flavors that they had, but we had the pineapple and orange. We finally did get the orange and this pink one that I forget what it is. So I should look it up. I think it was like a raspberry. That's a little quick hit of the Doles, the Dole Whips. Before we get to the big one, which is Victoria and Albert's, let's quickly do the Tusker House. So I mentioned everybody knows like Chef Mickey's and uh, the Crystal Palace for character breakfast. And also Ohana has a character breakfast that we've done in the past. But this time we did the Tusker House. And it worked out really well because my five-year-old great nephew's favorite character is Donald Duck. And he was there. All the main characters are there, Donald, Minnie, Mickey, and Goofy. And they come to every table and they do some dances and things. And it was really a lot of fun. So just a great place to meet the characters if you want. And that's another thing I should mention. I think I've mentioned it before on the show, but uh, character meet and greets are back. And so we'd already gotten lucky in the second day we went to Epcot. Um, my five-year-old, he loved going to the, uh, the Mexico ride because it had Donald Duck. He's like, Donald Duck is so funny. And as we left the ride, Donald Duck was there doing a meet and greet right outside, which he often is outside the Mexico Pavilion. And it wasn't that long of a line. So we got to meet Donald there before we got to Tusker House on Friday. And so that was a big moment, very thrilling. And also for my, not my great nephew, but his father was also a big Donald Duck fan. So they were both <laughs> thrilled to meet Donald Duck. Um, so we had quite a, some, a lot of good memories between the boat ride and meeting Donald Duck and some of these restaurants, but the biggie is Victorian Alberts. So let me talk a little bit about Victorian Alberts before I show you some of the, the pictures from it. Um, if you're a fan of the show and you want me to do like a deep dive into Victorian Alberts, I will do that. But for sake of time here, I'm only gonna show a couple of the dishes, but this is just uh, spectacular. Uh, I consider myself a bit of a foodie. I live in the Boston area. Boston's a pretty good foodie town, not quite in the level of New York and San Francisco and Chicago, but it's close. 
a lot of good restaurants. I've been to Michigan, uh, Michelin starred restaurants. I've been to one in Boston I used to have one called the Spalier, which is a triple a five diamond restaurant, which Victoria and Albert's is also a triple a five diamond. And so when I tell you that this was by far the best dining experience I have ever experienced, I'm not saying that lightly. And also in the party were other foodies and uh, my nephew's wife lived in Paris for a couple of years. So we know a little bit about food. We're not snobs. We're not high, we don't go out to fancy restaurants all the time, but we, we know a little bit of what we're talking about. And when we say this is, and all four of us agree, this is the best dining experience we've ever had. So take that for what it's worth. So it doesn't have a Michelin star. The only reason is because Michelin stars only go to restaurants in certain places and they don't do Florida. I think it's just Chicago, New York, LA, San Francisco, DC, maybe one other city I'm missing. But it is have a five diamond highest rated from AAA. And no question, if Michelin did rate restaurants in Florida, it would be a three-star Michelin restaurant. So we go to the Grand Floridian. You have to, it's the black tie. So you have to dress up. We're all dressed up. We go to the Grand Floridian, look at the map, start to go over there. And it looks like there's a, a hostess station. And it looks like people are waiting for a restaurant. But that wasn't <laughs> Victoria and Albert's. So I asked the hostess and she goes, no, it's right there behind you. And the two doors kind of magically open and you go in and the maitre g' uh, greets you. They already knows who you are. Uh, they give you an aperitif. It was a little glass of champagne, jasmine flavored aperitif. And then they take you to your table. We're in the main dining room. There's an even more expensive private thing you can do. We're in the main dining room for the, the uh, tasting menu. All about that. Well, not all about it, but a lot about it. And so you sit down and they bring you your menu. And the menu is in the silver envelope that has your name engraved on it. <laughs> the menu when you look at it you thought okay it's a tasting menu we're gonna get a little bit of those and then there's like five or six desserts listed and we thought well we're gonna get one of those no you get all of those in it they also bring you over a gold envelope which is slightly more expensive but it's basically the same food they had one more dish it was a special fish dish that was very rare and of course another uh, glass of wine for the tasting and that was more money. So we were like, we're good, we're good with the silver because the silver is, it's $300 for the food and 150 for the wine pairing. They also have a non-alcoholic pairing you can do. So, you know, you're in for 450. It was like another 100, 150 if we did the, the gold. Um, so we stuck with the silver and this food just could, could not be beat. The flavors and the presentation. And there's also a harp in the room when we got there. We were the only people in the room. It was kind of a circular room, very elegant. And it did fill in a little bit as the evening went on. Oh, the other thing I need to tell you about this is so uh, when we were leaving for the restaurant, so in the Polynesian, you know, there's Ohana, there's a bar next to Ohana. There's a place called Sam's Grotto. And it's a small bar, really cool, really hard to get into because it's small and there's so many people there. Wait times are like an hour, two hours, whatever. So we stopped in on our way to dinner. He said, what's the wait time? And the woman said, it's like two and a half hours. I'm like, oh, perfect. We're going to dinner. We'll come back. She said, all right. She took our name. She goes, uh, by the way, where are you going to eat? And we said, Victorian Alberts. And she goes, oh, let me make a note of that because that's like a four hour dining experience. And she was not wrong because I got the, we were maybe on course number four when I got the text from Sam's Grotto that you know our, our seats were available if we showed up in the next 15 minutes. And I was like, no, we're, we're not going to make it. So it was, it was under four hours, but not by much. Uh, but because you just savor every bite at this place. It's just that fantastic. So I'm going to uh, just show you a couple of the, the tastings. I'm not going to do the whole thing. So that take too long. But like I said, if you want to see more, you want me to do a whole episode on Victoria and Albert's, I'm happy to do that. You just, uh, you know, leave a comment on the YouTube channel or, you know, send us an email at info at hadamagicalday.com. So I'm going to start with the, the first course and then do a couple others in the dessert and that, that'll be it. So this was the first course. I'm going to read from the menu just so you know what you're, what you're seeing. It's a little video because the video came out better than, than the photos. So this is pink pineapple with Thai basil and spiced mango. As you can see here, that's the first one. And then this is langoustine tart tartlet with watermelon and finger limes. And then the third thing is cinco hotas 
Iberico Miso Caramel Eclair in quotes. So it's like an eclair, but it has like a, a whipped potato filling. And there's something on there that's kind of like uh, prosciutto. And then you have the miso caramel on top of that. It was fantastic. I cannot describe how good it was. Also, that the tartlet was fantastic too. It's just bursting with flavor. And the wine pairing, of course, is perfect. And I should have like, we made, obviously we're taking pictures of the food and making videos of the food. We should have been making videos of each other's expressions as we were eating it because they were just you know ecstatic a lot of moaning and saying oh my god this is so good um really recommend it if you're going with a significant other because it is kind of a very sensual sumptuous meal even though they're small bites and you think oh you're not going to get filled up but by like the seventh course we were getting really full then we had this cheese plate these are diced plums and there's a plum sauce and then there's a little rock here which i forget what they called it and then there's the cheese that you see it's like a brie but it was really rich it's much richer than than a brie and the cool thing was if you took a little bit of the cheese and a little bit of this yellow rock and some of that plum sauce and mixed it together in your mouth that rock melted and it was honey it was so it's just the flavors just blended together so, so well it's really hard to describe it it was fantastic and then for the desserts like they bring out dessert to cleanse your palate for the dessert so if i look at the menu here so they brought out the the honey elderflower ice cream and the warm chocolate cookie were to like cleanse your palate before they bring out the real desserts. And those were fantastic. And then they also brought out teas and coffee that were great. So let me show you the, the final course, which was the, the desserts. You love chocolate, it is to die for. And then after that, they bring out the final four desserts all at once. So the first of the desserts is this chocolate sphere. And so they made it so it looked like Spaceship Earth, but with like three layers of chocolate inside. So it was really unbelievably, it's like heavenly. It was just great. Just the whole meal was unbelievable. That was the highlight of the trip for us. But there's just so many good memories there. So remember, there's still, despite a lot of the complaints that people have about Disney, you can still make great memories that are well worth the price, but you got to do the work. You got to do more preparation than you did in the past, which is unfortunate. But if you do that, follow the tips we had at the beginning of the episode, you can make a lot of great memories for yourself and your family. And I hope you do that soon and uh, have a great rest of the summer. We're probably not going to do more episodes until the fall, but uh, until then, we'll see you real soon. 